Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jared Waters. Uh, this is the podcast One Man, One Tree of the Hill. We have a special guest on the hill with us. Is my dear friend Isaiah, Texas Zone. What up, people? How are you, sir? Doing good, doing good. We uh, First, there's an initiative happening, if you don't know, if you haven't seen. We're going to post this Instagram. You are making a store. You and your wife are creating a store. Correct. Inside this area of New York City. Yep. What was the purpose of this store? Oh, man. Um, so the purpose was just improving the quality of life mm-hmm. of living in Harlem. Right. Um, I guess it all began when we first moved to Harlem, probably six, seven years back. Oh, that and, far? Yeah. Golly. And, um, we were on 137th and 7th and, uh, we just noticed like the, how long it took for us to finally like <laughs> secure our groceries each week. Um, as you know, uh, Whole Foods is on 125th, but we would end up having to go all the way to Riverside Plaza oh, wow. where there's like the Target, you know. Are y'all driving or y'all walking out there? Uh, we're taking the bus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> with, with <laughs> or them, Uber. With all them groceries. Exactly. And um, after a while, you're just like, wow, it shouldn't be this hard to right. get healthy groceries. And... Um, and, and not talk- healthy, not not in the sense of I just want organic kale or anything like that. It's just like I just want quality produce that uh-huh. doesn't look <laughs> unripened. <laughs> I don't need a black banana. Like it's just you just really you know. After a while, you could take a sense of saying, "Hey, this is you know quality product." Like you go to your local bodega and right. there's like dust on the chips, and Catch you're just everywhere. like, "All right, I'm I'm willing to take this risk." But um, we just started noticing like just like the oversaturation of fast food establishments mm-hmm. and um and so we just said why not solve it instead of just complaining about it right and um yeah so then that's where the seed started and um from that point on we just started ideating and speaking with other like-minded harlem friends People. and family and um yeah and then we it's just, turned into a movement now it, it, it really is, is. It everyone's is. been really putting their Putting their putting their putting their funds together to get this to get this store. Have you called it a name yet? What you want to call it? Yes, it's going to be called Neighbors. Neighbors. Yeah. Neighbors. <laughs> so it's the, a movie. You know that, right? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, um, it's like the two white guys with the baby. Or no, is that the Meet the Neighbors? No, that's Meet. No, the that's you got it. Seth Rogen and Hannibal yeah. Burris was inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They moved into like near a frat house and stuff like that. Exactly. exactly. I like it. Do you spell it the regular way or? Yes, we're not okay. the bougie with the O U R S epen. We're just like, nope, just keep it plain, neighbors. So we're gonna come back to this, but first we're gonna we're gonna because a lot of people don't know Isaiah is from the great state of Texas. What what? And let's talk about how you got. All day. To New York City. So sure. you were born in Texas. What part of Texas? Um, well, I was born in Würzburg, Germany. My dad was Oh, I know what Würzburg military. is. Yeah, yeah. purple. They, their, uh, their jerseys are purple and gold. How do you know this? I, uh, I grew up... As soon as you Würzburg, my dad was in the Air Force. Okay. So we lived in the Netherlands. Yeah. And we played Würzburg all the time. Oh, uh, we played Ramstein all the time. Yeah. And we're like near Geiling Kirschen. So yeah, Wurzburg, Germany. Yeah. You guys, yeah. And that my was your... oldest brother was in, born in Frankfurt. Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah. yeah. So we were like right there, Brunson. And like all the bases would like unite when had Europeans, is what they called it. Europeans. Yeah. yeah, I won Europeans. I run wrestling out there. What? Yeah, yeah. I was out there in my high school. Yeah, two years, three, four years, five. I was in the Netherlands for a while. Jeez. Five years and then Tokyo before that. 
So as soon as you said Wordsburg, Germany, like, yeah, yeah, I know those boys. Right? Yeah, purple and purple and gold. Yeah, man, that's hilarious. Yeah, Small we thought world. they were Q dogs. I'm like, oh, here they come. Here they come. It was cold out there too, though. Man. It was freezing out in Wordsburg. I mean, I only lived there up until five, but I'm just looking back at the pictures from my older brothers because I'm the youngest of four, and um, yeah, it was just, it was just beautiful out there. Yeah. So youngest of four, two parent household that we came up in. Yes, thank. Thank the Lord. Yeah, yeah. some people <laughs> especially. Rare, so you, so when you, you're the youngest baby. Yes, I'm the baby. I'm the spoiled one. Could you tell that you're the baby? Were you always obviously? Yeah, it was. Um, it allowed me to mature faster. So a lot of my friends were usually like ten years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> like I would just make friends with my older brother. Here so come Isaiah. Right. <laughs> I was like third grade. What? What are you guys doing? Um, All boys. Uh. Two older brothers and then a sister above me. Okay. So, um, yeah. And, you know, we all worked it out. How, what's the difference of age difference from, so 10 years of the oldest? Yeah. So it's literally, it's actually two year difference between everyone. So maybe, so actually my oldest brother is probably eight years. So your parents weren't playing. Yeah. Not at all. My dad, he always had that, um, that biblical saying of saying, uh, be fruitful, multiply. Multiply. <laughs> so I was like, all right, you, you know. Where is he from? The game. He's from Newark, New Jersey. Oh, wow. Yeah. New Jersey, um, and mom is from? Uh, she's from Camden, New Jersey. It's like near Philly. Near so Philly. they got stationed. That's how you guys got to. Exactly. Oh, okay. So yeah, they I met know. in Rutgers. War baby, that's what they call us, <laughs> military brats, yeah. Yep, they met at Rutgers University, and then after my mom graduated, my dad moved, I mean, he Got a job in the army. Yeah. Was he enlisted or officer? Uh, he was like a lieutenant. Oh, he's officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's officer. Yeah, that's what they they call they different people. They call us officer kids. <laughs> For real, yeah. You probably didn't know that the officer kid. They have their own club. The O's the. It's like the NCO club is for the yes, yes. And you got the officers club. Yes, they'll check you too. Back up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird because my dad he um he always encouraged us to not go into the military. Mm. He was just like, all right, I'm taking care of you guys, but you guys better go get your degree because you're not doing what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, my dad's like, yeah, y'all should just join. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that's because you're in the Air Force. Yeah, that's, that's probably, probably why. He's you like, know? yeah, get your life. You can get there. Get you some money. Right? You can do what you want. <laughs> then I'll be thinking back, like, maybe he was right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you made the right decision. When did, he, when did your dad retire? Um, How old were you when he retired? Probably around 17. So you, so you didn't. So you adjusted when you got to college of him not being in the military. So most of your life, yeah, were you about he was deployed of, probably half of my half of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like he did Desert Storm, some like a little stint in North Korea and that whole thing. My dad did. He was in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. How was it like with yep. your mom being just with your mom? A lot of spankings, huh? Uh, yes. How do how do dude? You know? That's the same. <laughs> and we probably grew up the same. As soon as my dad left, I said, "Man, she just beating us all the time." <laughs> Yes, that's literally, I mean, it was, at the same time, my dad, he also um, was like a pastor on, on the base, so I was also like a same PK. Thing, same thing. And uh, What so, is going on? Are right? we like from different zones or something? <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, Universe 6, Universe 7? Yes. Um, so, in a way, it was just like we were also like the PKs on the base. Everybody's and watching y'all. Exactly. Every Yeah, we belong to the community. Like, we were the community's kids. Look at the pastor's kids over there. Look at them. Yeah. <laughs> Skipping school. Nah, nah. We, we we had our head on straight. I'm one of four as well. 
Okay, like which exactly like I feel like you're either a two or a one. Yep, I'm a two. Okay, you my make sense. You remind one. me of like my brother. Uh, two, yeah. two, one of four. Father's in the military. Yeah, he got out. He got out when I was like 23. Okay, so yeah. How how was that? It was good. I sometimes as I get older, I realize that how privileged our life was. Right. In what in, in what way? Because like like when me and my when we travel around now, I'm just like. Oh man, I should have appreciated this country more. Yeah. Instead of just being in Japan, playing with my friends and playing football and just wanting to do everything else. Yeah. We were just more like, we're like base ridden. But when I got to the Netherlands, I was more exploring the city, like going to different countries and everything else. Yeah. Like I would take another lap around Tokyo as a man instead of being an adolescent. That's on my list. Tokyo is on my list. So I need you to hook me up because I'm yeah. trying to do My that brother just went. He's all like, it's a whole lot better now. <laughs> yeah, you've grown now. Yeah, you've grown. Man. But yeah, but I think that the people that lived overseas, we saw life a little bit different because mm. all the kids in the military in the United States, they went to regular public school. Yeah. So people never understood what yeah. your mother was going through because yeah. they're like, where's his dad at? <laughs> yeah. His dad gone for you. Ooh, they don't understand. Yeah. But like when I'm on the military base, everybody understands. Yeah. So I had kids that like, no, it's all right, man. Your dad's gone. Come over to our house. So exactly. Like community and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like we got the, uh, we just got the second Genesis coming through. <laughs> My mom so got, just got knuckles. <laughs> we got the little, what's the little cartridge where you could put, start playing with knuckles now. Yes. Did you know, did you ever play the Sonic the Hedgehog 2, right? Yes. Did you ever get Gold Sonic or no? No. Did you know that I was didn't. possible until the internet? I came did out? know it was possible. Uh, it was kind of just like this myth that, it, like, that you kind of just heard. And then I, uh, one of my friends, Richie, he, he had that. Um, you remember th there was like this magazine called like, was it Game Genie or something like that? Yeah. Where they, yeah, they put it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I found out was because he used that magazine to kind of like access it. I was just thinking, I was like, they're always copying Dragon Ball Z. There's no <laughs> such thing as no gold Sonic until I was like, man, I saw really? somebody I saw somebody beat it on the internet and I was like, this is real. <laughs> like my whole childhood I didn't realize I was doing it wrong. Man. That thing, especially that level where you had to jump to those balls with go and that thing was hard. Yeah. It knocked the rings out you. <laughs> oh I'm dying. So you go from Wurzburg and then where does your dad move to? So at five you guys move where? Um, so we moved to Fort Hood. Uh, well, actually, That's we moved Texas. to Colleen, which okay. is probably like too, close to, which is near Fort Hood military That's where they base. shot Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Colleen, Texas. How long did y'all stay deployed in Texas? Um, For the rest of our Oh, job. really? Yeah. So they're still there till this day. Um, my parents are. Um, yeah. So would you identify more of like the Southern, growing up Southern? Because even though your parents are from New Jersey, that's like Texas is a, that's a whole culture in itself. Totally. I would, Yeah. I would have to say I'm Texas through and through, mm -hmm. just everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sipping sideways. <laughs> without, without the lean. Yeah, without the lean. Because I, when I met all these, I, when I was in the Netherlands, we met all these dudes from Texas. They came from Fort Hood, mm -hmm. and they kept listening. They kept bringing their music in the locker room. I was like, why is this thing, what's what's up with this thing so slowed down? Like, what's, and they're like, no, 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 it's chopped and screwed. I was like, y'all got the regular version? <laughs> Man, uh, speaking of that, like, just growing up and being into music, like these guys were our superstars. So it's like I didn't, I don't, I don't have the love for Jay Z that a typical person does because mm -hmm. it was like Hall Wall and Chameleon. Like these were our superstars. Yeah. And so it's it's a different zero. Yeah, zero. You, yeah. So it's just like a different uh, adoration for a certain tier of uh, of rapping. 
when so you get there at five when do you start falling in love with music is it like 10 like where you start understanding like this is a world that no one else relates to um okay so it started with my older brother so everyone in our family my dad even starting with my dad he played the drums he was in like one of those crooning groups in back in the day mm-hmm. and um and so he taught my brother the drums and he was in high school band he was like the captain drum the drum captain like as you would see on drum line but it it was more traditional it wasn't like a like a black like a preview yeah it wasn't okay. like a hbcu styles um they call it like a what's the word drum major yeah it's like a drum major yeah mm-hmm. more corporate and um yeah so but my brother had this uh software at the time it's probably like 1990 1999 literally and there's this program that was called uh cakewalk Mm -hmm. which ends up becoming like final cut pro and his drum uh his teacher said hey you can write band tune like stand tunes Mm -hmm. um during our football games but you have to literally write out the music for the entire band to play so um so my brother went back home he was like oh i know exactly what i'm gonna do he didn't he didn't have the ability to write for um like the band but he at least knew how to write for like a drum a bass a cymbal and mm-hmm. whatever and the first stand tune he wrote was um are you that somebody by Aaliyah. oh exactly. the whole band play that no so it's just oh. a drum line right so it's like second quarter you already know texas football games is everything, everything. like every there's nothing to College do on football. a Friday. Yeah, like everyone's there. Even if you're 30, even if you're 40, you're at the <laughs> high school football game. And um, I just remember, so my dad was, they call him like a band booster. It's like a PA, it's like a PA for the band. And um, so he would allow us to go up and help him too because we would literally sit next to the band, give him water, give him T-shirts and sell like concession stand, kind of like merch. And um, I remember it was like second quarter, Larry, he looked uh, the drum. Uh, the drum teacher was like, "Go ahead, you can play your uh, your stand tune," and they go boom, doom, ah, doom, doom, ah. both sides of the field. <laughs> the kids on the other side were just like, "Oh my god!" Like they were jumping up and down. Even the football players on the field were oh, jumping up and down. High. And I was just like, "This is the greatest moment ever," yeah. you know? Because I mean. For other people, I mean, for other high schools in our area, we were playing like Louie 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 and just like all these like white 50 mm -hmm. songs. Um, But to hear like a song on the radio being played at a football game on Friday, after that day, my brother became like the most popular person in school. You can tell everybody. (laughs) Yeah, he literally became like prom king, prom, uh, that whole thing. And just the effect that he had where people would just come up to him and be like, yo, can you write this song? Can you write this song? Can you write mm. this song? And um, so during that phase, I, I saw him creating these stand tunes, and then that kind of piqued my interest into writing um, writing music uh, compositionally and then later down the line through software. Did you guys have that moment where you're just like talking to your brothers like, hey, can we just sit down? And were you guys like, no. Did you- it or was just, just like you saw. know how you know how back in the day you just have that one computer in the living room. That, so that gateway. Exactly. So when my brother was at band practice, I just jumped on, just logged in and just started messing with it myself until like I came until he came home and he was like, Hey, who saved this mm-hmm. this terrible song on my computer? And right, I was right, just right, like, right. it was me and he was like, Oh, you, you kinda have it. The like floppy yeah, disk. Exactly with the floppy Put disc. Put that big floppy disk in there. <laughs> 
So that so you see everybody rocking. How old are you when you start seeing everyone rock? How old was that? Um, I was probably like eight or nine. Oh, so you were just eight. You were yeah. very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like eight or nine. And so your Still dad was in middle school. What was your dad doing like when the song hits? Um, my dad didn't understand any of it. He was just like, "Pull your pants down, stop dancing." Get on the, <laughs> I know your mom. Like it, he he had no clue. He he just grew up with like. The Williams Brothers, BB and CC, like he had no idea. So that Timberland beat slaps hard. Yes, that. and the thing is, they still play that stand tune today, oh, and, so it, and so it has like my brother's like name written on the music sheet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we so we hit there, and then you're just in there. So when your brother's not home, yeah, you're just over there, and I'm that's like computer. maybe like ten gigs, right? Yeah, it wasn't that much, right? Those yeah. floppy disks weren't worth. <laughs> and you see how big they were, ten gigs. Yeah. So how does he ever judge your beats? Is any, does um, anyone ever know that you're making beats at like 10, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the beats actually came a little bit later because it's just writing. Okay, just you just write music. Okay, you just music. And then a few years later, um, there was this software called Fruity Loops, which mm -hmm. yeah. was really, it was kind of just shunned by everyone. It was just like this demo thing that you can get on the internet to kind of like mess around and fake as if you could make beats. Um, but I really gravitated to it. And then the first time I played my beats for my brother, he was just like, you got it. Like, this is it. Like, this is, this is actually quite almost as good as what I'm hearing on the radio. How old were you when he gave you like when he said you got it? Um, probably like 10, 11. Oh, really? Yeah. I caught on really quick and, and it's, it sounds shocking, but when you see how well kids adapt to software, I mean, to software applications now it's that same way that same way that you're you know like your nephew knows how to use an iphone and you know he's on he's downloaded the game and he's already on level 23 it was just like that kind of being switched on techn uh, technologically and sometimes i feel like military kids they catch on fast because they're aware of the world they're aware of how we fit in yeah and how we could take out yeah so do you join the band or are you not do you join do you yep. play an instrument in school or Yep. So I played the trumpet, and again, I was like first chair all the way up until high school, like all state. Um, and again, it's because I had uh, a personal teacher who who was like my brother's friend, who was the who was the trumpet captain for mm -hmm. his high school band, was my teacher. So in middle school, while people were just learning how to even make a sound, I was going through scales and mm. reading sheet music and the whole nine. So you never switched like trombone or anything else. You could probably my play brother it. played the trombone and my sister played the clarinet. So I was going to go to the saxophone, but I felt like it was too close to my sister, so I just chose the trumpet. Isn't there like beef inside the band with woodwinds and brass, oh, right? Oh, yeah. it's real. I mean, it's they used real. to separate woodwinds <laughs> over there, brass over here. It's real. Everybody used to try to play that. My boy tried to say, I'm about to go to the saxophone. That's where all the girls are, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all the girls were like woodwinds and stuff like that. I, I almost went to the saxophone when I was young because the first concert I ever went to was with my mom, and it was to go see Kenny G. No, he didn't. Your mom took Literally. You. It was on the military base. They took you to see Kenny G. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, what a ten-year-old kid with, with, with like three hundred soccer moms just going <laughs> crazy, like Kenny. to Kenny G. I'm just like, wow, like I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Didn't listen to Kenny G." <laughs> but think about think about that how how your family like immersed that into you. Yeah, you know, yeah. saying like, oh, "Let me bring my son." Yeah. How did that How did that start? It's like, you want to go see Kenny G, or she's like, "I'm going." Or you um, couldn't probably be home by yourself. Yeah, I feel like. 
I was very privileged in the sense that my parents allowed me to just do whatever it is that they did, uh, whether it was um, running their own home-based business or running the church and like seeing how it actually happens or just going along to different concerts and things like that. Like they never really separated that life between this is what mom and dad does versus Mm -hmm. this is what my I do with my kids. It was just kind of just that open kind of like connection. And Kenny G don't curse, so everybody's like, he's good. <laughs> he, don't, he don't play no dirty. Right? It's, just, it's just beats. Exactly. That's all it is. It's just beats. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. So we go through. So this do is middle play, school. Do you play an instrument? My brother plays the drums. I okay. was just like in the band just to be in the band. What did, what did you play? I wasn't that good. I was, uh, I played this. I played the trumpet. Oh. But I, but I was, I, no, I'm not even going to disrespect. <laughs> I'm not even going to disrespect the people that do it. <laughs> then I played the drum. Okay. But I always wish I would have just went to the violin. Mm. But in the North, I was in North Carolina in middle school, so it was just like them these kids is rough in the South, man. Yeah. Like, you over there playing that violin? <laughs> I was like, come on, baby. I <laughs> these these strings are tender. Right, kids are rough. I was like, I should have went to the clarinet because I was like, I want to go to the saxophone. He goes, you need to go through the clarinet first. I said, ain't nobody playing the clarinet. <laughs> ain't no the real ones playing the clarinet. <laughs> But that's what. But I think I think my dad was gone or anything else. But my brother played the trumpet and then he went okay. to the drums. And I was always just a fan of my brother, so I was like, "Well, I'm gonna do the trumpet and the drums." Okay. Because I feel like in the South, it's either music or sports. Yep. Especially in Texas, I press like it's like you either yeah. you either lifting weights. Yeah. You choose you sides very beats. quickly. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> but it's respected though. Like yeah. no one ever hates on someone that makes music. Yeah. At all. Sure. Only person that people hate on were like R and B singers. Like this dude over here crooning. If you don't get it, right, you don't take that velvet right, yo, blazer oh. off. <laughs> <laughs> it's always to do with the fen. Uh, what that? What do you call that cap? One? The little, the little. Was it the little b- beret or whatever? <laughs> yeah, we had like some dude who was crooning in the locker room. Ooh. <laughs> They're like, "What's wrong? We couldn't hear the plays because he was too busy crooning." <laughs> oh my god! So the first. Do you think you hear music differently by playing the trumpet? Like how, when did you know that you could start reading music? Like when could you start reading music? How um, young were you when you read it? Like I said, probably like around 12th grade. I mean, excuse me, not 12th grade, but when I was around 12. Um, probably like two years later from messing around with uh, the software that my brother had for Cakewalk. Um, did you play in the church? Your no, church? actually we didn't. Um, my brothers did. They played the drums in church, but um, our church band was more just like guitars, keys, and drums. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted me to to to, <laughs> to join, but I I feel like for gospel music, it just has like a different <laughs> like it just throws off the play that <laughs> horn, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it doesn't really mesh that well with you know standard gospel tunes that you would hear because i i we went to like a baptist church and then we went to like another non-denominational christian church where it okay. was just like um i'm trying to think of like some of the music that we had it was like uh, hezekiah walker yeah hezekiah walker like not really kirk franklin but just like uh john p key mm-hmm. oh stuff. john p key he had yeah. a run didn't he yep. who he lost weight on us we didn't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> Man, Late in he's the, the goat. He's the goat. John P. Key, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Man. They stay in church for a long time out there. I said, Grace, it'd be three-hour services up there. I. That's so funny you said that. Like, growing up, we literally, our Sundays, that's all 
It was church. It was crazy. From six to some six to six, pretty much. Just like I remember we lived in Virginia. My dad would drive all the way to North Carolina for service. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what are we doing? Right? <laughs> what are we doing, baby? You're in the parking lot with your brothers and sisters like yep. when is dad gonna come back? <laughs> We're going to leave in five minutes. I said, he done made another lap around. They done talking to everybody. Right. Man. Yeah, that's a... Uh, so so when do you... When you start falling in love with rap music, was that hard? Like, with your, were your parents like, turn that mess off? Because Texas rap is... Uh, put that slab on it, put that... You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Texas, like? Texas rap is more decoded. So it's like, unless you know what they're the talking about, it's... Stuff. Yeah, it's not as, like, prep. It's not as obvious. I think... I actually really fell in love with uh, hip hop and R and B. Um, I was probably like, probably like uh, nine or ten. Like, no, probably at nine because my it was the first time that my family went to go visit my other side of the family who lived in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, and they. I remember it was like Christmas. We drove like twenty seven hours to New Jersey in Camden. And uh, the first thing that our cousins did was like, hey, come down to the basement. We want to play you guys some stuff. And up until that point, we were just list- we were just used to like gospel music and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Like I didn't really even listen to hip hop mm-hmm. music like that until I was probably like 10, 11. And I finally went to public school. And, um, and so like they play like Drew Hill. And I was just like, oh, my God, like my my mind was blown. And ever since that moment. That's when I. That's when it really switched. Where I was just like, "Oh, there's other genres of music, and there's other types of, you know, like from like growing up, I was just like, oh no, BB and CC is R and B music, right? But then you're like, oh no, this this, this is, is where it comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where that beat starts hitting. Exactly. Like this is where Teddy Riley really <laughs> takes it. You know. It's, it, so it's it's amazing, and it's so funny because uh, church music really is R and B music because they're all the same people but it's just they're just doing it for a different audience so, right yeah. did you feel like when you were growing up like were your friends that you were growing up were they into the same things you were into or were your friends completely different into um i think i don't know i i, I feel like my friends were into totally different things again living on a military base we're spoiled with just diversity so yeah. every like one of my best friends was filipino and his parents would always just be playing, you know, their kind of music in the house. And I mean, yeah, we both had a, like a common love for video games and hip hop. Mm-hmm. But there was just always every family had like that different thing that they kind of brought to the table. And you just kind of just learn to be like, oh, that's cool. That's just what they do. Like, right. And then eventually, like you, you kind of adapt to it. So, um, yeah, I was, I've always just been really open minded to just different people and culture and different types of music it's a fraternity of its own yeah totally. pretty much because everybody's like we got we're in the military that's what we got in common <laughs> exactly so it really don't matter yeah so your friends go in there and so when we go how was like middle school was middle school good like did you have yeah so up until that point i actually went to like a, cri- a christian private school oh wow yeah and um I think which is <laughs> partly a reason why I've always kind of been ahead academically <laughs> just because, mm-hmm. like, my parents gave me that quick head start saying, right. hey, let's, let's get the fundamentals right, and then you can go to public school. And, um, yeah, so just being in public school was just a total whirlwind of just being able to see where I fit in 
and then finding my tribe. I love middle school. Middle school is amazing to me. Like public schools when you started middle school, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably different because now you're amongst people who aren't in the military. Yep. So you meeting people from really socioeconomic backgrounds you probably aren't aware of. Yep. Yep. And how do they feel about you? Like when you came in there, they're probably like, Oh who Um I'm not sure if we were really aware of each other's economic uh economic background. Like we had like we have people who are just like, Man, this is Alex who kind of pees in his pants and wears the same clothes every day or like this is Reggie who Yeah, like you know, you like you you have like those things where you notice it but you really don't I feel like uh, like knowing whether someone's poor or rich, like I feel like all of that kind of goes below the surface until after high school where you realize how important money is. <laughs> I felt the difference for me. Like when really? we got – so I was in like the end of eighth grade when we went to Japan, and I didn't tell the difference. But when I was in North Carolina, yeah. I felt the difference because yeah. – these boys came to my house, and then after they came to my house, everyone in the school like, man, they living large out there. They over oh, here. Uh, here. I was like, what? I was like, nah, which is regular. That ain't regular. Look at it. <laughs> he got an upstairs in this house. <laughs> and I was like, damn. That is true. I'm, yeah, anyone that had uh, upstairs, upstairs was, like, yeah. They got a whole nother floor up there. <laughs> and they were just like writing me about it and stuff like that. And then mm. I remember my grandma was like, you got to make, she's like, you got to mess with them. And then one time my grandmother, she told me something about the kid that was bothering me at school. And I went back and told him at the lunchroom, boy, he jumped at me so fast. I was like, you just mad because your dad don't love you. Oh. He goes, what? What? My dad don't love you? <laughs> yeah, he lived 10 miles away. <laughs> and boy, my grandmother my grandmother had a fit with me. She goes, I didn't tell you to tell my personal business. I was like, you just told me to go ahead and mess with him. But it was like I was like aware because the boys in like that when we're playing football, like this boy living large. But when I went, when we went to the Air Force Base, everyone had the same houses. Yeah. So you couldn't tell nothing. Yeah, that is true. But like Texas, all the houses are big in Texas. They probably, you know. Uh, well, I mean, even the not small houses are like, they're not like huge, like like mansions. But everybody got a yard. That's true. That's true. You know, so he's like, we all can play in the yard. Yeah. But in some parts of North Carolina, I was like, man, let's go to his house. I said, like, wait a minute, how many people live here? <laughs> <laughs> my my grandma, she lives in North Carolina. She was in a uh, Goldsboro. Oh yeah, near and Seymour she had Star. like a plantation sort of like mansion. <laughs> there was like literally rooms for days, and we're just like, you live here by yourself? Like, it's it's yeah. So I, I hearing you say that kind of it makes sense now. Yeah, we're in like Greenville, North Carolina. So Greenville, North Carolina, there's like the there's big East Carolina University. Yeah. Then down on Fifth Street will be like what they consider the projects or like the low section places. Mm. And my grandmother lived up there, but my grandmother was my street cred because she was certified. <laughs> so when people F with me, I would talk to them. I was like, yeah. She goes, I know who that baby, that's, uh, <laughs> that is Barbara's grandson. Uh-huh. I was like, well, Barbara's grandson give me a hard time. <laughs> and they're like, you snitching. I was like, all right, now I can't tell my grandmother what's going on at school. Your grandma's certified out here. Like, she's like, you just got to get up there and start fighting. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. <laughs> but when I, I got like with the military people, I was like, I couldn't, you couldn't tell because everybody was going through the same thing. True. Everybody's dads were gone. Yep. Everybody's mothers were like raising them and stuff like that. Yeah. So like I, adolescence, did you have a, a easy adolescence? Like, or was it, did you, when was it empty nest where it was just you in the house? Um, It wasn't empty until probably my senior year of, uh, senior year of high school because since my me and my older sister was only two years apart 
Um, and also, since I had a late birthday, we were literally one grade apart from each other. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. So, I always felt like every school that I went to, everyone was kind of like, oh, you're Sinea's brother. Or you're Larry's brother. Yeah. Or oh, like, so you're you Larry's always... brother. Or you're Gary's brother. So, I always kind of had them to go before me in that sense. So, when you're in high school, you're the are you the drum major as well? Did you go that route or... No, you I was just like in the a, background. Yeah, I was just more in the background, but I was like the trumpet, the brass captain, I, I guess if that was a title. When did you start putting your beats online? Um, wow. Uh, actually, I didn't put my beats online until I was in college, um, just because it wasn't accessible to put beats on. on That's what like Napster. Like Napster was just yeah, yeah. It was just like Napster, and then like SoundClick finally mm-hmm. started. And um, yes, so probably like around freshman year of college is when I finally started putting some stuff out there and getting the fillers. But around, but during high school, um, you know, like like during lunch, people would kind of just play instrumentals and just rap freestyle over it. But then I'd be like, oh, I got my stuff. own CD. And then I would just like play it and then people would just start freestyling and then people kind of said, oh, I say it makes beats, and then <laughs> that's how you get all the drug dealers and rappers to just pop up at your house like, yo, I got this mixtape. Oh, they were popping up at the crib. Yes. And my mom's like, how do you know him? <laughs> Mother, actually, <laughs> he has given his life to Christ. <laughs> so what Like, what was the courage of like, so everyone's rapping inside, rapping inside the lunchroom, and you're just like, yeah. I got beats too, where you just like, hold on, let me pull out mine? Yeah, so I kind of like sneaked it in, so it was like, you would have that Napster mm-hmm. instrumentals that you kind of burn. So I'll play that. And then after a while, I would try to like sneak in some of my instrumentals. And then someone was just like, man, I never heard that. Who is that? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, that's me. And then they're like, you make beats and you know how to like put it on a CD. Like mm-hmm. it, it became like a whole thing. So um, yeah, the reception was always really cool. So that was your that was your sport. So as soon as lunchroom came, you're just like turn it on. Oh yes. And the teachers just like whatever. They're just like they could care less. <laughs> How big was uh, UGK at the time? Everything, like, jeez, yeah, they were literally everything. Like, I know people West that have it tatted like Pimp C, like it was just everything. I, I don't I don't know another word. Other than just it was everything to, to people. So so it was UGK because I I remember Jay Z really didn't hit his status until he went down to Texas. Yeah, for that big pimping. When he went down to Texas, that's when everybody I felt like that's when the South like embraced him. Yep. Because yep. he was this you know we're like oh Jay Z like you know regional. Then, right <laughs> I do anything <laughs> yes I like, oh Jay Z is cool yeah but as soon as he went down south we're like poking I so probably yes and I thought and that, that was, was like crowning. the first that was the first time I heard about Jay Z and I was just like oh okay he's kind of cool <laughs> right 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 yeah. but he was just like I was like man when he did that I was like that was just every big pimpin was everywhere dude um I remember like. In the summers, they used to have uh, um, open gym, mm-hmm. where it's just like we literally like in our backyard was the local middle school, and um, people and all they would have is just like people just running games and just like this huge sound system and whatever it is was the soundtrack of that year you would hear it in that gym, 
And man, I remember all summer, all I could hear was that sound just blaring in, like, <laughs> from my kitchen, from in my kitchen. I could literally hear just Big Pimpin just blaring from the gym and everyone just going crazy. Chia, 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 chia. <laughs> Live, blah, blah, yo. Shout out to Timberland. Shout out to Timberland, yeah. But it was like a whole regional thing of just like, I was like, them boys from Texas, man, they got their own. It was like their own zip. There was like their own scene completely. Yeah. yeah. I remember when we were like, when Mike Jones popped. Oh. When Mike Jones popped, and everybody from Texas Ooh. like, he ain't that ain't the one. <laughs> There's no 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 no. <laughs> you remember that right? Because yes. Chameleon there's like, no no, we not gonna disrespect Mike Jones. Exactly. He opened the door for us. <laughs> but they was like, no no, there's more coming. There's yes. more coming. It was like a run from like oh four. Yep. To yep. like eight. Yeah man, Slim Thug. Because people were upset about Slim Thug because they felt like he didn't use the Texas beats. He went straight with Pharrell exactly, and the rest of them. Exactly, exactly, yeah. He had the, um, yeah. Already like platinum. First, yeah, already. Which there were, it was we're some hits up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. No, boy. <laughs> he had some hits, but everybody in Texas was like, nah, 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 Slim Thug and used to do it like that. He it, used to have them Texas. Man, yes, yeah. It was, it was just different, but. Yeah. Flip was big. Oh, Flip was everything. Flip. I mean, again, like these these people were like Arnaz, Jay Z's. Like these people were everything. I feel like Houston didn't support Flip when Flip went and Ti went at it. They kind of like that's. Like, I I agree. I feel like everyone kind of just switched sides somehow. And I'm just like, wait, he didn't. You know, is this is the way a, we ball. Right, like, Flip Yeah, like <laughs> I could do that. Like, how are you just gonna disband this man who? created all these hits for you for us there's like him and like a skinny when he's like skinny and he's rapping in a like a a, a leprechaun suit or something like that <laughs> yes and him and big pokey are freestyle i think that's like 15 million views <laughs> when they said wood gripping i'm slipping yeah. that thing let them boys know 50 inches how it hang from my thigh <laughs> you remember that one yes <laughs> Them boys screaming it. Them boys from Southwest. <laughs> boys out of line. Get that slug in their chest. <laughs> Let me hear it go. It's your brother, Big Po, yo. I can't with you. Freestyle King. Man. It's like, have, have you seen that video? It's Big Pokey sitting in a car. Little Flip is in the car. And this guy named Shasta. Yes. They're yes. all rapping in the car. So Shasta's singing. Yeah. And then little Big Pokey raps. Then little Flip's like, <laughs> yeah. I represent my hood, got my wood, then the lumberjack. Six foes hopping up like we doing jumping jacks. Yeah. I stay independent. And all my windows tinted. Everybody's like, what is going on? Dude, that. He missed the wave. I feel like Little Flip held down yeah. the wave for a while. Man. Well, Scarface held it down, but like my era was just like, yeah, we were always like... Flip. Man. Who yes. they want? Flip. 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 <laughs> Man, yeah, Little Flip was just, dude. And, I mean, yeah. I feel like still even um, it's so interesting. Like a few years later, when you have like the whole ASAP kind of like adapt. Oh, he took to, that. No, yeah. that was and all like, Texas. And like yeah, and like even from Drake, and you're just like yeah, I grew up on that. Like so, I see where you guys are taking in. I think they do kind of honor where it came where it came from, but it's just was it that purple hate? Yeah, when ASAP Rocky first came out, I was like, oh, he's from Houston too. Oh, he's from right? Texas. <laughs> And like, no, he's from Harlem. I was like, what? Yeah. What? It, man, yeah. So that's why. That's why I came here. <laughs> Reparations. Yeah, <laughs> they came up there because Drake. He really. He got a pretty much a whole school on hip hop with like Houston. Yeah, 
I mean, because Kurt Cobain to him, he sounded like Kurt Cobain's for a long time. They sounded similar when they like came out. And Kurt Cobain's was just like, no, 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 this is. Thank hard. you for acknowledging that. He I, was always singing. Kurt Cobain's was the one in like Houston that was like. Yes, he showed like he was like both light a skin too. So <laughs> you got to pick one. <laughs> Bun B. Man. So we go. So right, we graduate. Uh, where did you apply for college? Like, what places did you pick? Did you want to leave the state of Texas, or Man. did you want to stay in state? Okay, again, just music, right? So my senior year, the two albums that the first albums that I ever purchased is College Dropout and <sighs> Fly or Die by NERD. Mm-hmm. So that told you where my mind was. I could care less about going to college. Drug dealer, <laughs> like and. And just through that, I was just like, okay, cool. Um, I know what my parents want me to do. But what do they want you to do? They want me to go to school, get For a what? degree. They didn't care, just whatever. I mean, I had great grades. I was in the top 10, did the mm-hmm. who's who, Dean's List. So I could go to any school that I wanted to. But I, I kind of was just set in my ways that like I just want to do music. So put those two together and I was like okay let me just go to a school that has a really good music program um so at least I could learn how to audio engineer Mm -hmm. and you know work my way through there but I was really adamant about moving to New York but my parents didn't really jive with that at the time so I ended up going to Southwestern University which is a private liberal arts school Mm -hmm. which is like 30 minutes from UT in Austin and um that was cool um I and then again like through just willpower and just knowing how the music scene was changing at the time, I ended up getting an internship that allowed me to go to New York for the first time. So like I stayed in Chelsea. What internship was it? Uh, so I worked at Good Music, right? Kanye yeah. West, Good Music? Exactly. So Dang, and your first album you ever purchased was? Dude. Um, so the way that happened was this was my space was big at the time mm-hmm. and I was going, it was my, my sophomore year and I was just like, I can do, I don't want to do this for another two years. Like I'm, I'm making the grades, but you know, I, I know how to kind of connect the dots if I really need to. And, um, so there was like this special program that my school had, sorry, that my school had. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, Hey, if you find an internship, um, for like, a lot of the art programs, like our music, then you can kind of, for an entire semester, do, you know, get credit in New York City. So I went on MySpace. I found, like, I went through all the liner notes, like, so John Monopoly, um, Devo Springsteen, who mm-hmm. was, like, Kanye's cousin, who, you... who stayed with, like, John Legend was his roommate, and Got that's it. how he put them two together, and he also produced Diamonds. And so, like, I literally went all the way down the list and I reached out to this guy named John Monopoly, who was the president of Good Music, and he was like, yo, um, if you get here in a month, you can intern. So I was like, You created your own job, pretty much. Literally. So, um, yeah. Did you so, pause after you got the news? Man, at that moment, he I was like, the <laughs> exactly. I was like, <laughs> it's the and then Dame called me. He said, can we get that deal? I love that song. Dude. 15 minutes. Man, I was just like, this is how it happens. This is it. Man, <laughs> coming, Benz, I push miracle with. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yep. So then um, that year was my first year. In- Did you drive all the way up? Um, yes. My parents drove me 
Um, I ended up having to do like an RA kind of situation when I lived here for that semester just because we really couldn't afford Mm -hmm. everything that came with doing this full internship thing because obviously you're not getting paid. Um, And um, yeah, so we just made it work. So I was at Sony BMG at the time and it was amazing. Like I literally had like a first-hand crash course in what the music industry is. And I realized you ain't, you're nothing unless you have something of value. (laughs) And unless you can really show that, you know, unless you can put yourself in a position to, to help someone else succeed, then this business wasn't for you. So what, so what was like, so what were like the highs and lows of the business? What was like the high when you were inside there? The high was, um, it was literally just seeing the forecast. Like I think also anyone who has like a, uh, a career in arts, maybe like in like comedy or fine arts or music, right? Like our job is to kind of see where things are going and kind of like adjust so you can, you know, fill that void in the market. And so being that good music allowed me to see the forecast of what the music industry would be in the next 10 years. What, right? what was the forecast? What do you mean? So the forecast what year was... Is um, <clears throat> 04? 05? No. Probably 06, 07. Because I graduated 05 um, in high school. So this is right after late registration? Um, it's the beginning. Get Before, lifted. Yep, yep. Right when Get, get lifted. Yeah, after uh, Get Lifted um, dropped. And... Um, so at the time, good music was only comprised of Consequence, John Legend, GLC, Really Grand Doe. Family. Yep. Yep. And um, yeah, so during that time, people like Drake came to the office to kind of pitch himself as an artist. <gasps> what? And he was just, and they just totally passed. They're like, nope, this isn't it. This isn't what we're looking for. Yeah. I, how, how was it? Was he bad or? It was cool. I mean, he was he was on a different wave. It was more popish. But how did you feel being from Texas, hearing that sound? Because you probably heard it before. Well, the thing is, he wasn't on that sound yet. Mm. He sounded like Big Sean, right? Yeah, this is even before. This is before so far, uh, so far gone. So it's like uh, he has this song called "Replacement Girl." If you ever look it up, it's like him and Trey songs. And this is when he's just like hiring people to do features for him. And it was just like the music was just whatever. It some songs had like a snap feel. Some songs had like a r&b kind of feel like he didn't have his drake 40 sound yet. got it yeah he didn't meet 40 yet yeah well he did but they didn't they forge didn't. that sound that toronto wow. sound who else did you see coming through that man <clears throat> crime mob came crime mob yes <laughs> to good me- yes so, together or were they separate no all together um what in the world yeah so it was just like a lot of different artists and then also in that building so sony bmg was basically "Quote unquote the black okay. <laughs> section of Sony Def, Islands Def Jam exactly and like below it was like Columbia Columbia which is like Jennifer Lopez Justin Timberlake Britney all that kind of stuff and so um, so like the high of the forecast was just kind of seeing all these amazing artists but not just artists because this is when he really started getting into fashion and he really mm-hmm. said you know I don't want to just be this um, music this music artist like I want find art to be related like murakami i want you know i want to find the best uh the best artists the best fashion designers and kind of like really create um a world a universe so it's like people like don c ivan jasper who like 
his creative team for like where his style was continually progressing towards and also meeting people like Taz Arnold from um, he's part of this group called Sara, but this guy, he actually helped produce a lot of records on the chronic. Um, He's from Cali. He's a total beast, but he's also part of like the Neo soul wave as well. Like, um, yeah. So it's just like a lot of different amazing pieces of where music was moving towards and um yeah so i guess that was the high was seeing the forecast like this is seeing big sean like for the first time and kind of like getting getting a sense of where he was going to go and like all those things so like kind of seeing how the last decade played out was who did you think wasn't going to make it that made it i didn't think it depends on what you what making who, who did means. you see at the time and you're just like this uh I don't get this. I don't I don't get where this is going. Um and now you're just like, Oh, he had it. I would say Drake. Um man, Did Big Sean have it when you saw Big Sean? Did you think he I, yeah, I knew he, he could had rap right. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean but how do they yeah. embrace you? Did they know you make beats or they just thought you were the coffee? I dude? was literally a fly on the wall. Like <clears throat> I would run and like pick up suits for Fonsworth Bentley. <laughs> I would like make their <laughs> salads and make their salad. I literally like they sent me like to go get underwear for them at like Target. <laughs> like these were like my day to day that was my internship. My internship was just You were Fonsworth g- Bentley. Uh, no, I was like I was these people's personal assistants. Okay. <laughs> For free, um, yeah, for free. Which isn't what the, the internship you, was about. But you soaked up the game while you had it. Exactly, exactly. And um, kind of just understanding all the pieces. Like I, like I love that um, the podcast that you had where you was talking about like Eddie Murphy and stuff because there's like a lot of people that you name who was just like, okay, this was the producer or like this was like Rosebud Baker and, and like these. Mm-hmm. It's like you realize that you're a part of a class that's like slowly moving in mm-hmm. in the right direction and kind of just realizing where you are, who are the people that are going to be along for that ride okay. and kind of like seeing how things will eventually play out. Like obviously people that I interned with now are now executives and things of that nature. So it's, it's just really interesting just to see how, how everything kind of plays out in its own way. When do they find out that you got this fire in your in your MacBook? When do they know that? Dude. Um Okay. Probably like a week into my internship. So uh, a part of our job was to go through demos and then whoever had the hottest demo, you would just give it to the boss and be like these are the best 5 artists that I've heard today. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. The best five uh, artists or producers, and uh, one week, I actually it took like two weeks. Like the first CD I put in, I, they didn't, I didn't hear any response back. And then the next week, I just kind of just kept sifting it back <laughs> into the pile. And then it was like, oh, this is kind of dope. Like there's a couple beats on here that sounds dope. Can you um, reach out to this person? I was like, you're talking to him. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, we had no idea you had this edge. And that's this like, edge. No, yeah, it this was like edge. this edge. Yeah, it Texas. was this thing. Yeah, you're just like, dude, like, I wouldn't just be here just to be here. Right, I ain't here to pick up draws. Yeah. <laughs> and then 
they were just like, wow, how come you didn't just tell us at first? And I was like, well, this is an internship. You should know what the people working for you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like, okay, cool. Let me put you with this person so you can start apprenticing with, with them. And, um, and so actually that brings me to the low, which was after that, hap- um, a few weeks after like apprenticing with some people, um, good music got dropped from Sony BMG. Basically, every everyone got dropped from Sony BMG. Oh wow! So um, I literally halfway through my internship lost it, um, and that's before they moved to Def Jam, um, but they didn't have that situation figured out. So um, so my supervisor at the time was like, "Hey, I have this um, friend. Um, her name's Nikki. She used to work at Star Trek. Blah blah blah." I think you would be a great person to sit under her. She currently is like, um, she's working Rich Harrison's label, who's like the DC um, crazy in love. Mm-hmm. And so I had a chance to apprentice under him for the second half of my um, internship. That ain't nothing but so, favor for them to be like, hey, send them over there. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. He, and they felt so bad because you're just like, man, this kid came all the way up here and then, you know, whatever. And, but um, how was it when they say, did it, was it an announcement that it was over? Or We walk into work and everyone's walking out with boxes. Capital pulled the deal. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like, yeah, literally. I was like, wow, this is how. Let me go back to this RA door. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is how it really works. Like, it's literally musical chairs around here. Um, yeah. Dang, so they, dropped, so, they dropped, so they dropped the label and you start interning. Were you, were you was it a considered intern when you go to your second half or was that can still no, it was still an internship did you do more hands-off work with this person or yeah it was more hands-on so it was just kind of learning how they produce and oh so you're not getting them. draws anymore no no oh, okay. I, I graduated from the draws actually being in the studio <laughs> so what so what's it like is it like a crash course or is it just like is yeah. there stuff that you don't know or are they surprised at the stuff that you do know both, both. so yeah so they're surprised that because, again, um, making music on software wasn't a thing. It was either you had the hardware of, like, the MPC or you actually had hired musicians that come in and track everything. And this is when home studios weren't a thing. Okay. You know? It's just, like, you literally had to buy studio time in order to record. And um, But they were just surprised that I was able to create music through a laptop. <laughs> oh, and so they weren't used to that yet. No, like, and again, like when, like, as far as like the forecast, like even producer wise, like you think of people like Boy Wonder, T minus, like they all come from a school of being able to produce through software versus hardware, and mm. that became like a huge battle between a lot of producers who didn't want to give opportunities to kids who could make music for le- <laughs> make music for less but of the same quality mm. so it became like this weird tension but um but uh with the advent of social media and everything like you couldn't deny the talent of kids who now make music on their laptops it's like vinyl records when the dj started rolling like, i had to carry crates well you don't no. gotta do it anymore <laughs> exactly it's a whole lot easier <laughs> not easier but it's like a whole lot more it's a new wave yeah yeah so you start, so the internship, so when does it end? Does it, does it end or you're just? So I ended Because you're a sophomore, correct? Would you be a sophomore? Yeah, I was a sophomore. And um, actually, while I was still interning at, um, for 
Rich Harrison's label, I had a chance to meet some people under at Columbia. And at the time, there was this guy, he um, he was like a, a road manager for Timbaland. And he, and uh, yeah, so I had a chance to pass my music on to him. And he was oh, like, wow. oh, this is really cool. You got similar styles. And if anyone really listens to my, has listened to my music, like I come from that family tree of Neptunes, Timbaland, mm-hmm. kind of like weird, eclectic kind of like music. Well, that's how you started when your brother made that the Timbaland beat, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so I had a chance to work with them. And then I had a manager for a time, um, and then I ended up getting a manager. So as soon as my internship was done, I was like, "I'm done. I don't need to go back to like school." College dropout. Yeah, so I literally became a college dropout, and for a few years, I took an absence of leave from from school because I was just making music. So what what where have they seen your be- your beats before? Um, Chip the Rip, who was like Cuddy's first artist. Um, a lot of Timbaland, uh, early not early projects, but just like. Well, when you're making 08, these beats, are they telling you like 010. when you make these beats, you're not allowed to say what artist they're from or what? Yeah, you're not allowed to say what they're from because it was kind of like ghost producing, quote unquote. So we just so we don't know where you heard your music, but your music has been. Yeah, we've been hearing your music for like years, but no one knows. Yeah, yeah. When can you tell people where your music is from, or you can never do that? I mean, I have new music now. That's okay. Not, yeah, because. Um, but how much? How many songs did you have on the radio that nobody knows that we'll still never know until just only two or three. Wow. Yeah. And you can never tell when you have these music up there. Only your family knows. Only my family knows. Is your name somewhere, or is your name's not nowhere on the, nothing? No, I was young and green at the time, and I just wanted to. You signed it off? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then that's also, like, the whole change in the music industry, where you didn't have to work under a big name in order to, in order to, in order to make it. There's a theory that Dr. Dre didn't produce Snoop Dogg's album. It was, uh, it was Daz. People say that it was. People say that Daz made all the beats, but like he had to give it to Dr. Dre because Dr. Dre was like the big beat maker at the time. So they say Daz was it Daz? Yeah, Daz is uh, the big one, the big one, a part of Snoop Dogg's label. They said like he was the one that made all the beats and everything else. That's who Snoop worked with. They grew up together and stuff like that. I would not be surprised. I mean, the camp like they were literally the same way that artists have songwriters that work on them. The same way is the same way that you're a ghost beater. Yeah. Ghost beats. Ghost producer. So, as a ghost producer, when would you get paid more to not say nothing about it? Um. Well, you sign the agreement, but then they just pay you up front, so you don't receive like an nothing. advance or any royalties or anything like that. And then when your song, so your song, one of the songs you did blew up, right? It it did moderately, moderately, moderately well. good, and you just couldn't. You're just like, that's my song. Yeah. That's me. You're just like smiling in the background like, that, mm-hmm. that song is dope, isn't it? <laughs> I think I like this song. So you're inside the business. So now you're officially in the business, right? Yeah. How old are you? You're just young, young in your 20s, just 20s. a producer. Yeah. Producer. So is there anyone, people passing your name around like, yo, Isaiah did this? Um. Well, I was still at the camp. The camp that I was with at the time. What is your nickname? Does someone I heard people someone, call me Izzy. Some people call me I heard me someone Zay say that, and I was really like, close. What, "What did you just call it?" <laughs> we we're walking on the street, and someone yelled out Izzy. Yeah, I was like Izzy for like Izzo or H to the Izzo. 
So you're inside the beat camp, right? Yeah. What's it like talking to Timberland? Is he like, does he look Dude. at you? Is he like, just look- hearing him say my music was dope was just like everything to me. You know what I mean? Like, especially knowing that my musical journey began with him and began with the moment of seeing his music impact everyone at that football game. Is this game. unhealthy Timberland or this is when he started doing them roids? No, this he is. He was huge. No, he was still a little over. A little pudgy. Yeah, when he started lifting those weights, I said, like, "Golly, <laughs> them beats were hitting, boy." When he started lifting. Yeah. So what? Have you? Did you ever get the chance to tell him what you, what he meant to you? Or oh yes. What did he say? First saying? time. First time. I was just like, dude. You're nervous yeah, or just everything. fumbling the words or. Um. Yeah, I was just. I I I just went in the fam. I was just like, dude, you're just everything. You know, you're everything. You know. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Actually, you you had this line and one of your podcasts where you're just like man you work with stevie wonder man he's worked with stevie people can't say that like that's literally how i went i was just like dude cry me a river (laughs) who more than you just start running down this car group more than a woman pony you did pony like and he's just like yeah (laughs) yeah so it was just that kind of like it was it felt it felt great to just honor someone who you was he you receptive of it? He ex- oh, totally, totally. He's a he's a phenomenal man. Like the the genius behind Timlin or any person that any producer is more so than what they use. It's just the the way that they see music and their process of being able to make music out of out of nothing. The same way that I'm pretty sure you admire certain comedians because of just their perspective. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're you dedicate yourself to the craft long enough to where you can say, Oh, he took this reference and pulled it with this reference. Mm -hmm. And just being able to honor the sense that this person really understands the history of music to a, to a degree to where he can actually move things forward by kind of like continuing to fill the void and what's missing in today's music scene. So just his process of putting things together is um it's amazing was magoo ever there no dang i I think they had like some kind of beef at the time i mean i'm not sure if i who's the dopest person that came to the studio oh man missy come there Mm, no i didn't get to meet missy so you guys are pretty much in like i met a young bieber justin bieber you met racist justin bieber Um, man, I think the most talented person probably was James Fonalroy. Oh, really? This guy, he's written for everyone, 24 Carats, for Bruno Mars. He basically did all his albums. Um, not his albums, but just a he lot read of writing. He yeah. Literally everyone you could name, Beyonce, SZA, he's written for them. And this guy has a gift that very few people will know ever know. Um, and those are, and those are the, like, the people type, type of people that I fan over are like those behind the scenes people that really do the work and um, just take it to another level. So okay, so when do you leave the the beat machine, the beat camp? Um, two are years never, later. Why yeah. do you leave? Um, two reasons. One, just because it wasn't the right kind of work environment like I wasn't always in the studio I kind of had to work remotely from home mm-hmm. so I'm still in Texas and I'm just like this isn't I want to be where the oh, artists are so you are. go back well, oh, why do you go back to Texas well just because they just want me to send music oh so you don't need to be in New York anymore yeah 
And they're just like, hey, send us music, and if we find something we like, we'll call you and then get you to come yeah. up here. And I was just like, no, nah, that's not really why I'm doing this. Like, Do you finish school when you go back to Texas? or? Uh, actually, no. So I go back, but I'm like, nah. If I'm going to go back to school, I want to at least be going to – I at least want to move to New York so I can actually be in the scene and Got be it. around other artists and like-minded creatives. So, um, excuse me. So yeah. So after I left that that management kind of setup, um, because of just the lack of access and just credit credit, um, I just moved back to New York and actually went to school in upstate New York. So a lot of the people that I interned with. They're just like, hey, man, if you ever come back to New York City, just go to this school and you'll be, you know, in the scene. Did you go to that school? I did. What um, school is that? <laughs> that's actually so? kind of funny. It's called Oneonta. Oneonta. Right? Which is funny because it's actually four hours from New York City. That sounds like a massage. <laughs> Oneonta. Yeah. And um, so I actually got accepted, never visited the school. Mm-hmm. Didn't really even do any uh, heavy research on it, but I just knew that they had a music studio and they had a couple of reputable alumni students that went there. And um, yeah, so I just went up there. But as soon as I came to New York City, um, I was at Port Authority. They're just like, oh, get on this bus. This is how you get to Oneana. I'm like, no, it should be here in the city. Right. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, so then I'm just like, wait, why am I going into the woods? <laughs> and then it's like four hours later, I'm at this school, and I'm just like, this wasn't what I signed up for, but I, it was cool. It was a good experience. In that school, what did you learn about music that you probably wouldn't have learned in the city? Probably nothing. But <laughs> really, <laughs> it was just great to, it was just more about the network of people that you get to meet. So there's more like music execs that go up there. Yeah, it's 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 a range from just mer- music journalism to actually learning how to write a contract and you know those kind of things. So it was great in the sense that it sharpened like the business acumen side of learning the music. Or the business. tech side, exactly. Because for the longest, I I could care less. I was just like, oh, I'm just here for the art. I'm just trying to do it because I love it. And then you're just like, nope. You, no, you, you need to get paid, tech, and you need to get credit for it. <laughs> so you finished college. Yeah. When do you move to Harlem? I moved to Harlem probably like a year later. Um, Why did you pick Harlem? You just you didn't care. Actually, the first – you might have to edit this. So the first place I stayed was in Queens, in Astoria, Queens, with an X. And then <laughs> – Nobody knew that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then I moved to Harlem because after a while you just realize, man, I just really want to be a part of um, of just the history that Harlem has. And you just want to be around your people and kind of see correct um, see where it all started. So you're in Harlem. How long did you stay in Harlem before you start going to the church that you go to now? Um, so I was in Harlem for about two to three years, and then I met my wife. Um, Walk us through that. Where did you meet her at? Like, what was that? You okay. just... So, shout out to Beth, um, who you both we both know from yeah, yeah. Trinity Harlem. She's an amazing woman, and um, I was a part of this writing crew at the time called MIP, um, which was like these young 
Men in Power? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, I'm just <laughs> it's a co-ed writing group oh. <laughs> um, who are kind of just like faith, uh, fashion-focused, kind of like creative type of kids. And um, yeah, so I was a part of this writing crew. And then one day she was like, hey, I have uh, – there's this – interest meeting for this church that i'm thinking about joining um you should come and check it out it's oh lit. so this wasn't uh oh so y'all just met in the streets yeah so it was like the first gathering as they call it and um because beth and i were literally neighbors so i was on 137th and she was i don't want to give anyone's address but she was she was so that's where y'all met y'all just met like as neighbors yeah and um and so I went to the gathering, and that was the first time I saw my wife. And we talked, but she could care less. What and would you say to her? Just say, hey, what's up? I thought she was cool, so I was just like, wow, like I really like your hat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, so I, how, long, how long have you been going here? You know, like the standard church question. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Man, how, how, did, how did you come to, you know, to attend this event? And... Um, so then one fourth of July, uh, this is why I'm still attending Hillsong. She's like, Hey, me and my homegirls are going to the Rockaway Beach. Bring you and your go you and your guys. Come. Okay. Right? So I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm already there. Just just let me know the time and the place. So I go there <laughs> and Patricia's there and um and again, this is probably like the fifth time of me reintroducing myself to her. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, my name's Isaiah. Blah, blah, blah. And um, I think that's the first time we actually like connected. Did she have someone at the time or no. she just wasn't receptive to? Yeah, I think I sh- it was just a bad fir- five first impressions. <laughs> yeah, you had to wait a while. Yeah, per- persistence is key. He said, yo, this ain't even whack. <laughs> if I throw Cam on the beat. <laughs> So you guys are at the beach, right? Yeah. At the beach, is it five dudes, five girls? What is it? Is yeah. So, this is uh, this is my little tactic. So whenever I go to the beach, I always bring like a little football, you know. Smart thing, move. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, all right, we're gonna do we're gonna do some football, like four and four. Mm-hmm. So I had like two of my friend, two of my female friends, and I chose Patricia to be on my team. And so I'm the QB, and I throw her the pass. She gets the touchdown. And so I'm like, yeah. So she runs towards me. I was like, no, you get a hug. And then she was just like, at that, and she said that to this day. She was like, man, that moment where you wanted a hug from me after you threw a touchdown, that was everything. Reach for the handshake, <laughs> got a hug. <laughs> I was like, yes. I, I thought you were about to say you picked another team and start tackling them. <laughs> oh, touch, ooh, <laughs> water boy. Hey, water boy, you fire. So he's like, you get a hug. Yep. And then and she's like, well, oh. Yeah, after that day, she. When did she pass it up? She passed you the digits that night, that, that day. That same day on the on the train ride home. And um, we've been talking ever since. So so how long were y'all dating before you popped a question? We were dating for nine months. Oh, you didn't play no games, did you? Not at all. That's a hood pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my third. I'm, I was 30. Or actually, I was about to turn 30. And um, she was like 27, 26. And I don't know, just around that age, that's when most of the time men kind of. Especially us. <laughs> we're like, okay, I know, know exactly. What right. I know what I want in life. This woman has all the attributes. You know, we're fundament- fundamentally on, this, on the same page. So, yep. 
was it your first time ever dating outside of your race? Well, being in the military, you probably have already. Yeah. We've been doing that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we've been leading the charge in that in that respect. So, um, nope, she, was, she wasn't the first. Mm-hmm. Um, what about were you the first that she or no? Yes, I yeah. was. <laughs> how did that? How did that? Did that? Was there any drawbacks being in an interracial relationship, especially in New York City, or when y'all went down south? Was it because te- I think Texas is more Texas don't give you them type of looks. Yeah, it's more like north east of North Carolina. Correct. Yeah, actually, like Tennessee. Yeah, like she's from uh, Nantucket, Massachusetts, and I feel like I get more eye like side eyes in that area than being in texas i truly believe i truly believe <laughs> this, is, this is my personal theory people right, don't have to me. agree when people tell me about the south about how racist the south is yeah i feel like in the south everyone lives together yeah so people are going to say something because we all live in the same community yeah. so if you say something ignorant everyone's going to say something yeah <laughs> but like in these northern states they were more like racist because they separated the people by like they just put Put all the Jewish people here, put yep. all the white people here, put yep. all the black people here, put all the Asian people here. So the only time they saw each other was on the train. Yeah. <laughs> you don't got to say nothing on the train. Exactly. But if you down south, er, just remember the Titans. Everybody on the same team. <laughs> we in the same stands. They go, what's that Filipino boy's name? The, the wide receiver? Yeah, we love him. Yeah, we love Manny. Manny's great. <laughs> you know? Because I feel like the south, we're more inclusive because we like even the older people ask questions. Yeah. I remember my, my lady met my great aunt, and she's like, she's looking what's, at her hair. What's her background? She's Belizean. Oh, okay. So she's like Caribbean and Spanish. Oh, wow. So when my great aunt met her, she told her, where are you from, girl? She's like, Belize. Oh, you're from Texas, too. That's nice. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, well, she from Mexico? I was like, nope, she's not from there either. She said, girl, I got a wig just like your hair. I got a wig just like it. Yeah, that's all your hair. <laughs> And we're just sitting there laughing. We're just sitting there laughing. But it's just like our southern people were outspoken, but they asked questions so they could know not 100%. to. One hundred percent. In New York, really, people are like stick to their own. Exactly. I've met people who've never. Some one of my comic friends told me the first time he ever met a white dude that wasn't his teacher was when he was twenty four years old. I was like, what? He goes, first time he ever talked like a like a cool white dude. He goes, everyone was just either my teacher or everything else. Wow. So. So she's from up north. You're from the south. Texas, yeah. everybody's cool in Texas. Yeah. Do you see it in Harlem, though? Is it different in Harlem? Yeah, there's side eyes from, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't got to say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but were you aware of that? Is that, do you, have, do you ever, do you catch it or do you think she catches it? Like, um, whoever, I feel like you're aware I of catch it. it way more, but um, I think she's starting to get used to it's a challenge. the dynamic. Yeah. Not a challenge, but when two people love each other, I feel like people never understand, like, what's it like being inside one, you know? 100%. Um, yeah, I, I feel like in the past year or so that we've been married, she's really had, like, an eye-opening experience to what the black experience in America is. And Especially a southern black man. That's a whole lot different than what... People always talk about Malcolm X. I was like, Malcolm X didn't pop that stuff down south. You already know what happened. I was like, I know he was a great man, but down south, they would have, <laughs> they would have Malcolm L. 100%. So and also, sidebar, speaking of Malcolm X, so my dad, who lived in New York, New Jersey, actually went to the same mosque. You know, the one that yeah, he, where they killed, where yeah. they killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, like when we say about MLK, I was like, he had to be nonviolent because those boys down <laughs> south were not playing around at all. You're only going to get so many words. <laughs> and I feel like people don't understand. I was like, they were beating up white people in Selma, too. That's the reason why people start tuning in. They're like, oh, they beat, what? John is getting hit, too? <laughs> they were just like, it's one thing to beat up. It's one thing to beat our people, but they are beating their own people, and they didn't know what was going on. Exactly. I was like, hey, the South is a completely different. It's, I think the South has progressed way further than everything else. And then, like, New York, because people keep thinking, I was like, President Trump ain't from Texas. Yeah. He ain't from, from Alabama. from the Bronx. Yeah, he learned everything from Queens. <laughs> exactly. What were y'all doing Keely. in Queens? Yes. What were y'all doing up here for him to think like that? Exactly. So you go, so you go through that, and... So now, what is it like her experience? Because she's probably teaching you about the as the Massachusetts. Ex- yeah, I love it. I mean, I think uh, I actually kind of embrace her culture more than she embraces her own. So like that whole Irish background, like I'm in the kitchen cooking, <laughs> listening to Celtic Gaelic music, and she's Celtic. like, she's like, oh my god, I like got I these can't... beats for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just I, we we both are gentle with each other in the sense of you know and you truly love teach. each other yeah. too. And, when you and, see it you guys yeah and teaching each other in through love so um it's it's an interesting experience how about how about you and lady, the lady? yeah uh yeah it's uh well people well, mo- well her her grandma was black as me so yeah. when, so when people see us they just think that they think pe- i have an international black face yeah so wherever we go they think i'm the native of that land <laughs> So, so when I was in Israel, people thought I was Ethiopian. When I was in Cuba, all the Cubans were talking to me, and I was like, "Look, you gotta say something," because they think I can, <laughs> I can, I can roll like that. I think it's just she, she fell in love with the Southern experience first, because we went to North Carolina, we went up to, we went to all the Southern yes. stuff. So when she came up here. I was telling her, like, it's like gangs up here. Yeah. I was like, people think she's Indian. I was like, I don't care what they think you are. You better pretend like you are because they're going to give you better deals. <laughs> she's like, don't say that. I was like, let me just. You're working on both of our behalf. I was like, oh, she's from Mali. They're like, oh, she is? I was like, yeah, but her daddy left her life, so she, uh, she don't really speak it like that. But she speak these deals. <laughs> so she has, a, she has like a her face. No, they don't know where she's from. So I told her, like, we'll be in Walmart down south. And I told you, I was like, these people ain't going to help you until you speak Spanish to them. Yeah. As soon as she spoke Spanish, I was like, oh, I can show you where it is. <laughs> I was like, it's like that. People want to help their own people. So it's just like, I tell all the time, like, when we went to London, like, everyone was more, like, the black people there were, like, telling us about the black people over here. And they're saying, like, it was, it's, since we have these flags, they're like, they really divided the people. Like, all right, Nigerians, you don't talk to Jamaicans. Jamaicans don't talk to this. Wow. He said, but you're in America. Y'all just black. I said, yeah. yeah. I said, we don't got no flag. Our flag is our skin pigment. So, yes. like, we relate so much to people that look like us. So that's why we take a Kobe Bryant passing away. That's why we take everything else, because we don't got that many people that look like us that are doing stuff. That's We're so such a small percentage true. of people in the world or in America. Yeah. We're the smallest group of black people with the loudest voice around the world. Mm. This girl I went, that girl I work with, she told me the first time she saw a black person on TV was TLC. I said, wait a minute. I said, what were they talking about? Right? <laughs> That's what she said. So she's like, the, she didn't have any, she's like, growing up, they didn't have any like other influences. So she said, TLC is first black people that looked like her on TV. Wow. So like, I, I, we get like the global perspective and stuff like that. So I tell her, I was like, you can get here, you're going to be fine. Yeah. You're going to be fine. You can be in any gang you want up here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like in the comedy community, I unite everybody because we're from the South. Yeah. 
hey, you from North Carolina, we got to stick together. Yeah. The Florida dudes got to stick together. I was like, we, all the Chicago dudes stick together. So that every is... comic from the South, I'm like, what? hey, we from the South, man. Come on, man. That's so true. Strength in numbers. <laughs> That's what Andre said. <laughs> South got something to say. Amen. You know he lives out here, right? Uh, yes, he's in South. I literally have him on my Instagram. I met him at CVS. <laughs> like, did you stop him for a picture? Or? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he's on I, my. Yeah, he's literally I on my Instagram feed. I ran him down. What did you ask him anything? For, I, I couldn't think. I, I well, literally was just playing see, back all the memories of how important he was to my childhood. He walked past McDougal Street, and my friend goes, look at that homeless dude. I said, that's three stacks, man. And I was like, hey, three stacks. <laughs> I was like, Andre. And he goes, and we just dap at each other. And then we looked at each other. He's from Atlanta. Yeah. I said, did we just meet Andre 3000? He goes, yeah. I said, I'm about to run him down for a picture. <laughs> and we just run him down. I said, yo, did no he... disrespect. I was like, can we take a picture? He goes, yeah, 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 hurry up. I got to have to go to a meeting right now. I said, yeah, no disrespect, Andre. No disrespect. Yeah. And we take a picture. Then as we're taking the picture, he goes, yeah, we sort of look like each other. That's what he says. <laughs> I said, we're probably cousins. I said, you know Steve? <laughs> and he just looks at me and laughs. And as we're walking, this girl breaks down and starts crying. And she goes viral because she has his shirt on. Oh, that's yes, the, yes. That same day, that's when that happened. I was like, freak, we should have had his shirt on. That was what? a problem. She's crying. She's like, my favorite artist. Yeah. He walks into my thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> I said, this, we could have went viral for this moment the whole time. I had my Panthers jersey on. <laughs> And she's like, that's my favorite artist. And I was sitting there I was like, man, we messed up. <laughs> but then we saw him again twice, and it was just like. We Did he have the flute on him or no? No flute on him. He was just like with a big book bag, just okay. walking around. Yeah. And I was like, how's Seven doing? I was like, he's good, he's good. Appreciate it. Appreciate you for doing like that. Wow. So I was like, yeah, right. yeah. I noticed like when I get around artists, I just talk about stuff that they might be passionate about. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. Like, when I talk to Q-Tip, I didn't know what he was up to, but I made him feel good, though. <laughs> You top five dead or alive, man. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's a that's a life hack right there. So, all right. So then you guys get married. How is she into music? Does she like your music? Is there like, how does your because you guys pulled yourself? You know, no, you guys pulled yourself out of a lot of debt. Yes, over forty forty three thousand today. Great Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who had most of the debt? You had most of the debt. Actually, she did because she ended up going to um, SVA for photography. Oh, she is an artist as well. Yeah, and um, it was over six figures. Who? Yeah. What did, uh, <laughs> what, did, what did Dusty Rose say? Hot times. Hot times. Yes. They pulled themselves out of debt, which is amazing. Forty-three thousand worth of debt. So, what is this new life like? Debt free? Well, we're not debt free yet. Oh, you just um, pulled. Yeah. So, like, the total is around. 105 I believe mm-hmm. um, but we should be debt free in probably the next three to four years that's good and that's just if we no longer make any more money than we're making today which is Insane. not gonna happen yeah you <laughs> start growing up yeah so how does how does she start liking music is she like with the beats on is she like or it's is magic it just two separate worlds it's, I, I love it cause um uh I love that she sees my work as magic and she's just like, wow, I can't believe this came out of you. Mm. And I feel the same way about her and her, uh, her skills in photography. It's just, it's, it's just an appreciation for one artist to another. Mm. So, um, yeah, she's very receptive. Um, she's not into hip hop as much as, um, as much we, as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I love it because um, she's just like another catalog for me to kind of like go through. Like she's into like that Alabama shakes oh. kind of like um, just really emo-ish kind of mm-hmm. uh, rock music. Okay. Yeah. Tennessee whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, we're both just very open-minded. Um, like speaking of just like being her being like an Irish of background. So I introduced her to Pop Smoke, R.I.P. And um, you know how he has like the little dance, but it looks (laughs) like river dancing. And that literally, like when he first, before he kind of like blew up, whatever, I put her onto his music and she was like, I love this guy. Like, (laughs) (laughs) So even to this day, like even when she heard about the news, like it really affected her because she realized how connected she was to another person just because of how close and cultural. Uh, mm. ways it became um yeah. what's it what's it like when you go down south with your people and they're like why well, Isaiah, when y'all about to start popping them out you y'all don't y'all don't when when y'all about I, to gas it up i literally have to wear headphones because that's <laughs> that's every, how they, that's, that's how every we, conversation that's how they do it too you can be at the grocery store they're like isaiah is that you okay where's the where's the little one where's and you're just y'all like, ain't Dude. y'all ain't being fruitful <laughs> ain't you <laughs> Just a lot of practice over there. Ain't nobody. Right. Come on now. They're like, I know your dad did four. Well, <laughs> I know. I know you're gonna top that. I'm like, man, just that might be a southern. On. That might be a southern <laughs> thing because I sometimes I be feeling bad because I remember my baby sister, my great aunt said something. She goes, she was talking to she was talking to one of my cousins because she goes, you ain't missed too many meals, did you? <laughs> and you see my baby sister. She's like twelve. Why is that girl so mean? <laughs> I had to tell my sister. I was like, Couture, she's eighty something years old. Oh, they man. just talk trash. That's what they do. <laughs> she don't mean no harm by it. That's just. But like, when is that's what they like? What did my aunt mom goes? She said, "Well, how long you been with your girl? Twelve years." I said, "You know good and well that ain't no twelve <laughs> years. Long enough for me. Woo, that's a long time. I wouldn't have stayed that long. You doing a short term sentence? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Do you guys want kids or? We do. Um. My, got I mean, nothing but time for, now. Yeah, for me, I always just wanted one child just to carry on the name. But the older I get, the more I'm like, you know what? I don't mind having a little tribe, like a little party three. of three. Yeah, look, yeah, a little party of three. I like the way you put that. Party of three. Yeah, <laughs> usually people that have four are from four. They always go three. Yeah. And you're southern, so you know you're nothing. You might pop out two twins. Like, whoop. Yeah. My oldest brother has five kids, and he's still looking to continue. But he's a doctor, so he can afford it. Yeah, well, you can afford it too. What? So you still you're still making beats, right? Yep. Still yep. making beats, producing, songwriting, producing everything else. But are you still underground? Like, do, can you tell people what you're doing now? Or? Oh, totally. So no non-disclosures anymore. No, I'm I'm a I'm my own man. <laughs> do you so when you're doing that? So is your name still? So you're still in the industry. People still know you. Everything else. Yeah. Or do you try to work of more new art, newer artists? Um, I think at this stage in life, I'm more interested in kind of like breaking my own artist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm always down to collaborate. Um, me and one of my close friends who's also a producer, we started this collective called Scuba Squad, which is sort of like, um, major laser Mm -hmm. in the sense that all the weird quirky music that we don't make with our everyday artists, um, you know, clientele. It's just we get all that out through Scuba Squad. Is that on the website too? Yep, it's on. Um, it's on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you go to listen to music. So we're going to put a link to Isaiah's Sound Spotify, 
put a link to everything. Yes. So we'll put a link to the music, and then we're going to come back to the store. So you and your wife were walking around Harlem, right? Yeah. As you said in the beginning, looking for some healthy food, and you couldn't find anything. Yeah, I mean, so the the initial idea started when we were just, like, walking around, and we just started taking off. I think we all take observations of our neighborhoods in the sense of saying, man, you know, this place could be better if there wasn't like these Chinese stores and, and just in relation to your people and seeing um, how many people have high blood pressure and mm -hmm. um, diabetes and Ooh. just seeing, you know, seeing your own people right. walking around and you're just like, man, it doesn't have to be this way. Cause if you go down 20 blocks, everyone there is fit, they're running and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a whole different world. Um, and actually, each neighborhood in the new, in New York City has a community health profile that you can literally go on Google and look up. And um, if you type it in, Harlem is at a 76% of just uh, people that self-report themselves as being healthy versus um, people that live in downtown or in the Upper West Side who are around in the 93 percentile okay that's a huge a big difference yeah disparity right there and it comes from us not having access to healthier food it's a huge health inequality and um and rather than just you know move like other people would do mm -hmm. just move to another area we just decided to just be the change that we wanted to see in our neighborhood so they're, they're not leaving. They're going to build up build up the neighborhood. Yep. So how would someone like want to pledge? How could people pledge to support this movement? Yeah, if you go to our website, which is um, www.neighborsshop, N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-S-S-H-O-P.com, um, we have a little link where you can donate. And mm -hmm. um, if you sign up for our mailing list, we'll keep you in the loop of any and all updates that we have. So what what will be the trajectory of when we see this store? When do you think? So we're currently um, in the seed stage. So we're our goal is to raise fifty thousand, and um, we're ten percent there. And we're still meeting with uh, a lot of people who from the community who's kind of reached out and said, "Hey, we love what you're doing, and we want to partner with you guys." Oh, good. So right now we're kind of like just in talks with a lot of different. Um, developers and mm -hmm. um, just people who can really push the needle forward and just seeing what makes sense and um, and just do it the right way instead of just trying to do it to do it. We want to make it. And you put your music in the shop too. It's, I mean, it's a full sensory kind of um, um, passion project. So Neighbors is more than a store. It's a platform for community activation. And mm. so... What that looks like is I, when people try to say, oh, okay, what what is it? So if you take, if Trader Joe's and Wawa's had a baby, it would literally yeah. be neighbors, right? Okay. So the way that people have that affinity for Wawa's because of just the... Everything. Just, well, it, it's also just like the culture of the way that people treat each other mm -hmm. and just knowing that um, it's the true definition of what convenience is like okay, I need something to eat that is good and hot and quality. I can go to Wawa's and get it there. Mm -hmm. And then just knowing that, you know, this isn't 
just like a corner store it's it's basically like a, a hub where people meet each other and talk to each other and um you know it it just builds real community versus just um walking by some walking by someone and um because the store will also serve as a neighborhood clubhouse um where we can also use that as a platform for a lot of creatives to to share their creative work so we would love to have you someday um sometime down the I'll line bust it kind up of do like we'll an open mic we'll, we'll both it up we'll do a, a real show you know what i mean we'll yes <laughs> yes yes get the boys in there okay so this is the last part of the, the podcast you say you listen so this is called uh the hill questions where you're oh, on the hill no. we ask these hill questions uh we're not going to tap dance like our boy marshall and run <laughs> up out of here <laughs> okay i apologize in advance here we go number one uh do you believe in god yes yes Question number two, favorite person in the Bible? Isaiah. <laughs> uh, perfect. Favorite verse? Do you want me to say it? or yeah. um, uh, You could you could just say the numbers. And favorite verse? Mm, I would say Psalms 91, which is really long. But Psalms 91, uh, it's one of those all-purpose mm-hmm. um, verses. Uh, when's the last time you had a nightmare? Two days ago. What was that about? I, I'll tell you off. off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear is not trying. Mm. When's the last time you had a panic attack? Never. Yeah, I realize our people really. <laughs> <laughs> most, most black dudes were like, "Nah, I never had one." Suppress. I, been, I Suppress. got, I got butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in soulmates? No. No. Okay. Do you want me to expand or? Yeah, expand on that. Um, I believe that. <clears throat> I believe that there's a lot of different um, variables for choosing a a mate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that there's just one person out of five billion. I'm not sure how many people are walking this earth that are suitable for you to marry. Um, there's a lot of different factors of uh, why someone could be your soulmate. Got it. Okay, two more questions. What do you think happens when you die? I think you go to heaven. Well, I don't think. You go to heaven. Everybody. I mean, or you can go the other way, but you get to meet your maker. Okay, this last one is called Who Are You? Have you heard of it? So Who Are You is right. Uh, I'm going to say Who Are You, and you're going to say the whole goal is to go beyond yourself. So this is how it goes. You can ask me, so you can say Who Are You? And after I say, so you're going to keep going. Ready? Okay. You try it. Who are you? Jared Waters. Who are you? Two-time wrestling champ. Who are you? It's like that. And you keep oh, going until okay. you stop. <clears throat> the goal is to go beyond of what your name is, okay. of like who you are and like the purpose. Yep. All right, you ready? Yep. Who are you? Isaiah. No. Who are you? Thumb wrestling tra- champion. <laughs> Who are you? Brother. Who are you? Husband. Who are you? Um, lover of art. Who are you? Lover of food. Who are you? Um, spirit. Who are you? Another lending ear. Who are you? <laughs> You're good. 
It's You're tough, good. right? <laughs> but when you do it again, like I guess when we we'll do this another, like when we link up again, you'll probably do it a whole lot faster. Yeah. So sometimes I love that. the goal is to just go beyond yourself. Cause sometimes we just say the immediate answer. Yeah. But we're so much more than what our names are. So right. much more of what we are inside this world. Love that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Isaiah. Uh, Could I also say something. Go ahead. You, platform. You know yours. you're a part of Black History, right? I'm a part of Black History. Yes. Like, uh, what did I do in Black? Your is it your grandmother? That's Ethel Waters. Oh, my great aunt Ethel Waters. First, uh, dude, you are black. You are a product of Black History. She's the first one ever nominated for an Oscar. Yes. Yeah, I yes. was on the set, Cabin in the Sky. I was there. That was literally my childhood. Like you watched Cabin in the Sky. Yes. He said, "Little Junior, Petunia." That's, That's actually one of probably one of my first nightmares that I've ever had was because that of tornado. Lucius. Yeah. <laughs> Um, God, if you save them on earth, I'll save them in heaven. Dude, like, you're literally a product of black history. Little Joe, <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> I just have to throw that in there. consequence, but who? I told my mom that, and she was just like, no way. Tell him I love him and God bless his entire family. Yeah, shout out to Ethel Waters, my, my, my great, great, great aunt, Ethel Waters. Yeah. Dude. I was on set. I was there. Dude. Shout out to Ethel Waters. 1943? 1943. I was right there. We were right there tap That's dancing. Black history. Right there, black history. <laughs> you going to do any shooting tonight, sugar? Yes, but only with dice. <laughs> Dude. Look who it is. Domino. <laughs> Nobody really know that movie, too. It's just old black people. My dad had that on VCR with Malcolm X and old Mahalia Jackson. Yep, I got the DVD. I got the DVD. <laughs> and they have the soundtracks on. The soundtrack is on uh, Apple Music. Dude. Oh, little black yeah. sheep, come back home. That is such a good movie, too. So I urge anyone who's listening to watch that. it. Lena it's Horns on Amazon, inside. I think. Yeah. Amazon Prime. It's, on, it's on YouTube. The whole thing's on YouTube as well. Well, save, so, yeah, save your money. It's on, uh, it's, we want to uh, give some money back. Yeah. <laughs> to the I think these all these artists might be gone. <laughs> but if you want to donate to Jared Waters, you can, <laughs> I'll drop my Venmo Cash and Cash App. Yeah. Cash App. This wedding coming. Yes. Sorry about so, that. So, yes, no problem. Thank you, sir. We appreciate uh, what my family has done for Black History. And uh, this is Isaiah. Meg, we're going to put down all the links to the websites, to his music. If you want to check him out, uh, his profile, his name is on his profile now. You usually didn't have your name up there, so nobody yep. knew who it was. Yep. But now he's up there. Yeah, he's me. up there. Support, uh, support, and follow uh, the page neighbors too. Yep. Yeah, uh, their Instagram, Instagram page as neighbors well. shop. Uh, yep, at neighbor shop. So in the description, we're going to put all, all these links. And this is Isaiah, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to the hill, folks. Signing out. <laughs>